Welcome to Camden Cast. <gasps> she took my intro. I'm Erin. Oh my god, I'm Tanvi and I am betrayed. But no one was expecting it. Oh. I just did it. This is our seventh heaven podcast. Yes. And we are recording Excuse me. <laughs> the seventh heaven episode of the second season. Season two, episode seven. <laughs> Uh, the title is Girls Just Want to Have Fun, or if you are in France, it is called Sooner or Later, or if you are in Germany, it is called Property of Friends, Bad Ones of Friends. Uh, These German titles are getting even more obscure. Yes. They, they, at first they were really on point, and now they're just, I don't even understand what it's trying to say. Um, Much like it could just be a, it, it could be like a bad translation. Um, so, the IMDb synopsis is, uh, Simon's gentle schoolmate Stan sleeps over but has a horrid nightmare. Simon promises to keep his friend's secret, but big brother Matt, who already suspected the boy's weird sister, Karen Baby Doll, spills the beans to dad, who informs the incredulous parents she's in a street gang. The girls fuzz about mall shopping and Lucy's secretive romantic reason. So that doesn't really tell you much. <laughs> is this person trying to write poetry? Is that what's, what's happening here? I don't, my favorite thing is that they call the parents Ma and Pa. So I'll be like, Pa's jacket. I want to ja- know. <laughs> the good boy's jacket. Uh, and I have another um, review for you all. Uh, this one is titled, Simon's friend's sister is in a gang, and he becomes heavingly involved when Matt slips and thinks... That his friend's sister is in the gang, and Simon makes Matt promise not to tell, but he does anyways. This is just the title? That's just the title. That's very wordy. All right. Here's the actual review. (laughs) I thought this episode was done very well. It showed how much Matt cared for his brother and his friends. I thought Barry acted very well in this episode as well. As David, and in light of what happened in this episode, Ruthie did very well, making everybody laugh, including myself, by asking the questions as a five-year-old little girl would do. I thought the ending to this episode was done so realistically, and the girl asking Reverend to call one of the places he has recommended for her was just touching, and Stan telling his sister he knew he'd get out, but he didn't want it to be like this just as long as he is out. So that obviously tells you the entire ending. We don't even need to do the podcast now. And done. Okay, so... We have two base major storylines in this episode, and we'll start with well, let's, the... Let's get to the cold open first. Oh, yeah, we should do cold open first. You are correct. So, the cold open... Is a... Nighttime. A nighttime Exterior tour. Camden house. <laughs> nighttime uh, tour of the Camden residence. Uh, the Cam... So, first, we get the rents. We get the rents in bed, and... And it's as uncomfortable we, as you want it to be. Annie is a octopus in bed. She's like a level seven clinger. But then she like rolls over and she takes the blankets and then the rev like comes up on her. Now, mm, okay. <laughs> that's a different, that's a different video. Um, so then, um, then we get the age order. We get Matt and he's got a Walkman blasting. I don't understand how he fell asleep. In then, a bed that's far too small for him. Right. It really is a twin bed. We've debated this before, but it's a twin bed. So that means that those times when the Rev and Annie were in there, they were in a twin bed. And then we get Lucy in Mary's room, and in, on top of Mary, Ruthie is sleeping. And then we get Simon's Well, room. wait. 
Uh, before oh, we move on to oh, Simon. I did write this down. Yes. Uh, Lucy has fallen asleep with their clear phone off the hook, and it's like saying, like, hang up and try to do, 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 do whatever phones do when you leave them off the In hook. In the 90s. And she's got a magazine open on her bed, and all you could see is uh, it says, Are you unforgettable? 50 ways to make sure. Oh, holy shit. I wrote down, Are you forgettable? Oh. <laughs> because I was like, Lucy would want to know if she's forgettable. No, no, no. It's, Are you un- 50 ways to make sure you're forgettable? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a no, unforgettable. And then we get Simon's room, mm-hmm. and they show him and Happy on the top bunk, and then we get the gentle schoolmate Stan on the lower bunk, um, Stan, and he's tossing and turning. Uh, well, they only call him Stan, but yeah, presumably his birth certificate says Stanley. Um, and he's like tossing and turning and just saying, no, no. Um, so of course he's having a nightmare. And then Happy starts barking. And then within an instant, the parents are in there and they're like, oh, what's wrong? And Simon is like, oh, we were telling scary stories before bed. He just had a nightmare. And then Annie is like, what was the nightmare about? And Stan says, I don't remember. Um... Yeah, and uh, Simon then covers the tracks and talks about the scary stories that he was telling, and the parents were like, all right. But as soon as the parents leave, we have um, Stan Stan saying thank you to Simon for making up that story. And then it's so... This is how we do it. Okay. (laughs) So then then we get the opening credits. Yes. Uh, And so we have two major storylines. First, obviously, is the storyline that centers around Stan, um, but first, we're, we're going to do uh, the more fun storyline. Uh, it's Lucy's storyline, Lu- yeah. so I'm hesitant to call it fun. Um, it is much, very much uh, laboring for me um, to Lucy, speak about this girl. Lucy's on the phone. Uh, she's sitting on the floor of the bedroom in between like Mary's bed and, and her own bed. And, and she says, I love that mall. It has all the cool stores. She gets off the phone uh, because she has to get ready to go to said mall. And she uh, spends a bit lamenting about how great malls are. She loves the neon blinking and lights. the way they smell. And wait, she, she's like, oh, and Mary's like, it's recirculated air. And she says, when I die, I want my ashes to be thrown from the eighth level of the mall, of the mall so that they can, like, be recirculated, like, so that they'll be in the plants and then the, that... And it'll be fountains. in the vent, and, yeah. and it'll be recirculated, and just some very strange uh, mall thing. She has uh, some sort of weird mall kink, and that um, and Shh, Mary, she... Mary calls it as she sees it, and calls her a freak. And then we have Ruthie. Does a nice little eye roll, side eye. And also calls her a freak. Yes. So, um... So Ruthie and Mary gang up on Lucy in this episode, and it's great. Yes, it is. Um... We so there, but Lucy's being kind of really secretive about her... Intentions at the mall. Yes. Because Mary says that she needs to grab a few things, and she's like, oh... I'll come with you. And Lucy is like, no, these are my friends. This is my mall trip. You get your own. Oh, because Lucy's like, oh, you're just jealous that I have friends or something. And Mary is like, oh, like, just admire me and all of my jealousy. And she's like, no, I need to get stuff. And then she's like, oh, you really are jealous. You want to come with me and my friends to the mall? Um, And Mary's like, no, but you seem to be up to something because why don't you want me to go to the mall with you? Um, and she makes Lucy promise, basically, that she wh- whatever she's up to, that she won't do anything stupid. And she's like, I trust you, Lucy. And Lucy's like, yeah, yeah, of course. 
Um, Lucy then heads to the mall and we're introduced to two of her popular crew friends, uh, Terry and... I don't know what the, the other girl's name is, actually. Actually, I don't think their names get said, but Terry... They don't get said, but Terry came up, like, on the IMD... Um, on Amazon when you, like, scroll over a scene and, t- and it says, like, X-ray view and it tells you who's in it. If the character was named Terry, so... Uh, one of the... Uh, Terry is played by Lindsay Bartelson. Um, Bartelson? Bartelson, yes. Uh, and she is the daughter, the eldest daughter from Grounded for Life, uh, if anybody watched that. And uh, the other popular chick is Nicole Bilderback uh, from... Bring It On? Yep. Most she, notably? Yes. I think she played the character... Of, Whitney. Yes. Yes. Uh, she was part of the two, like... Whitney and Courtney. Yeah, the two, the, like... The ones who were trying to take down Kirsten Dunst. Exactly. Um, so these are the popular girls that um, Lucy is hanging out with. They get into so the mall. So they get to the mall and they all have backpacks. And yes. the first thing they do is they go to the bathroom. Right. Uh, um, then the next scene that we have at the mall is... There's, like, a super brief cut scene where it's just them walking through with, like, music playing. And yeah. they're in... They're all, like... I don't even know how to describe how they look. Um, the so, outfits they wouldn't let their parents see them leave the house in. So, the most polite way I can say to put this is that they look like they are hookers from the 80s. Yeah. Like, streetwalkers from the 80s. Um, but... For some reason... Women of the night. Women of the night, but only from the 80s. Because um, my point being that there's no way that any person from the 90s would look at any three of these girls and how they're dressed, how their makeup's done, and how their hair's done, and seen any and done anything other than laughed. But apparently, that's not the world of 7th Heaven or Glen Oak. Oh, no. Because... All ev- the men. All the men. Most notably, like you said, like men who are like 30-plus... Which I think might be... The point. To the point. It's all men who are, like, much older than them are staring at them as they walk by and, like, you know, heads turning everywhere. And then there's a few, like, there's a few stupid cuts of this where they're just walking around and, like, ha-ha, we're so hot in the mall, whatever. But the final kind of climax is in they see this mall security guard whose name is Jim. And who... And I think that that was Lucy still... Carrying a torch for Jimmy, Jimmy Moon. Moon. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even like remember that. But this is like Jim grown up. Uh, well, actually, it probably is a look into Jimmy Moon's future. Uh, I know. I, I've seen Jimmy Moon's future. It's it's a little bit different. It's close. Is it different? Is it same? Yeah. Um. So one of the girls points Jim out because Jim is checking out Lucy. And he- and calls Jim a total hottie. Okay. Things Jim, to note about Jim. Jim. Jim is a skinny little white man. He has a six head, as in like he has a massive forehead. A five head. <laughs> well, plus one. Yes. I was good. I was giving it even more. I get what you were going for. He is balding, but has a ponytail. Um, He's not balding. Well, He's, it but looks, he like, it's well, all I could notice was that the ponytail that the front he had it like there was like gel in it, so it was like slicked back. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Um, but he was not an attractive man, and he was definitely not a total hottie. Um, and he, and and he like walks up on these like fourteen year old girls. Yeah, he's like, oh, the, you ladies like you are, need my protection. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Do you have it okay. written down. I have, uh, oh, hold on, let me find it. Uh, when I, oh, nope, um, say something else. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking for, I wrote it. Well, yeah, no, he's, he basically, like, hits on all three of them, and Lucy is 
immediately smitten. Anybody who looks as good as you ladies needs, as you ladies do, needs protection. Yep, exactly. Um, while this is going on at home, um, just like uh, like a tiny, tiny bit of the uh, of the storyline, Ruthie uh, wants to spend time with her two sisters, um, and so she asks, like. That's um, not even why they go to the mall. No, no, no. Oh. Um, she asked Mary to play hide-and-seek with her, so that's going on in the background. Um, and Mom, as an Annie, decides that she needs to know what's going on with her kids, and she also needs to go to the mall. Well, uh, she, she needed to get stuff, and she was supposed to pick up Lucy later anyway, so she's like, I'm going to go to the mall a little bit early to get, to get my shopping done, and then we'll be there when Lucy is done, and it'll be, you know, two for one. But Annie also is being a little, you know, motherly conniving. She's like, I'm going to show up early because um, uh, Lucy won't be expecting it. Um, I just wanted to point out, because I think we skipped over this, because it is kind of pointless. When the girls come out of the bathroom as their transformed selves, they, they pick up like a bag or something for this. Oh no, they synchronize their watches. Oh, but they never separate. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, they synchronize their watches, saying so we know uh, what time we need to like be back in the bathroom to get ready, so our parents don't like see us like this. Yeah. Um. So this was all like a planned thing, and so Ruthie, Annie, and Mary show up in um the mall. Mary comes out first, trying to look for Lucy, knowing that Lucy's up to no good, and immediately spots her with security guard Jim. But they have this very long argument that isn't... I mean, I think the point of of Mary going in ahead of time was to tell, like, find Lucy, find out what she was up to, and, like, mitigate any damage that might have been done, um, which would have been get in the bathroom right now and change because mom is here. But instead, well, they get in an argument. Well, before the argument starts, we have more of Jim trying to flirt with these girls. He says, one, I wouldn't carry a gun because my hands are already <laughs> registered weapons. Yes. Um, which they didn't really look that dangerous. No, they lethal. were tiny hands. <laughs> yes, tiny hands. Um, that's when Mary spots her. Uh, and then she comes up and she says, like, all of these girls are 14. So we are told that basically Lucy has had a birthday off screen, which is pretty co- Actually, it's not really consistent I know, I because don't think her birthday it was, was like in- episode 12 or 13. Yeah. 12, I think, was her birthday her, last year, her last birthday season. Was, her birthday was like around January last season. Yeah, and this is episode 7, so it's like in the fall still. Yeah, it's, uh, she's, it's October-ish. Yeah. Or a little bit past October, All right. probably. Well, we've never been like, oh, this show is so yeah. great with its continuity. Um, and we have yet to see a Mary birthday. But we can, we can presume that she's aged a year yeah. because there's been a calendar year that's passed. But um, they just don't make reference to it. Like the end of season one, they were still saying she was 15, 14? 14. So Mary's supposed to be 15. 15 yeah. Um, so... Mary and Lucy get into this fight. Lucy overreacts as always and says that Mary's ruining her life. I forget even what the fight's about. She's like, you don't trust me or something or I don't know. And Jim is almost 21. He's very mature. And he's a Pisces. Uh, And Mary's like, are you kidding me? Like, he's a creep. Um, Like, like, what kind of, like, normal person uh, hits on 14-year-olds? Um, and she, As, like, most people would say. Like, yeah, and Mary is like, the only reason I'm even here is to help you because mom's on her way. And as soon as she says that... Of course, that, she's like, oh, 
I forget what Mary says something about like getting you changed or hiding or yeah. something or like oh so mom doesn't see you like this yeah and then Lucy looks over Mary's shoulder and of course who's behind her it's Annie and it's Ruthie and we have some great back and some forth. great Ruthie reaction shots yes it's 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 pretty much worth it um, we then have Annie being very angry as she should rightfully be at Lucy for all of this for just looking awful. Yes, uh, she because Lucy like still doesn't think she's done anything wrong. She thinks she's just expressing herself because she can't express herself at home. Well, because she's Lucy. This is back in the house. This is yes. They are back at the house. I'm sorry. She pulls her home, and um, they have this very serious talk where. Annie is telling her her punishment. She's like, can't no mall, no mall, no phone calls for like, like basically for a month. It's like to school and home, and that's it. Um, Annie also makes it a point because one of Lucy's reasons for doing what she's doing is because she has a unique personality. But I like that Annie calls her out because she's like, oh yeah, a unique personality you share with both of those other girls as well. It doesn't seem too unique to me. But um, Lucy's still being kind of like dense about why it was why wrong. she's in trouble. Yeah, uh, yeah, and. Uh, then I forget how it comes up, but um, Annie says something about Jim, and Lucy's like, oh, Mary told you, and Annie was like, I'm really disappointed that she had to tell me and that even after you were caught, you weren't totally honest with me about what actually happened. So she was like, we lost something today that we can never get back. And, like, even then, I feel like... I feel like Lucy was still kind of just, like, saying the word. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, or I understand. And, like, there's tears in her eyes. But, But yeah, Annie dropped that on her, and she actually did look. We will say here, it wasn't just, like, Lucy pulling the tears out for no reason. Once Annie was like, well, you don't have my trust anymore, I feel like Beverly Mitchell might have acted for a second. And, and it pains me to say that. And it really helped because the next the next <laughs> shot was Ruthie coming down the stairs doing her best Lucy impression. And she's just got, like, clown makeup on and, and like, like, all a, these boas. <laughs> crop top. Yeah. And, like... It's like, like a bikini top. Yeah, it's not even, yeah. like, a crop top. Um, and then... Lucy's like, like, I get it. I understand. Well, they're like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm being Lucy. <laughs> and she's like, I get it. I understand. And then later on, for reasons we'll get back to... Um, Mary, Lucy, and Ruthie are all in Mary and Lucy's room again. Uh, um, they're getting the makeup off um, of Ruthie. Ruthie, once again, uh, well, Ruthie says that Lucy's a bad example, yeah, yes. which I loved. Um, and Mary... And then Lucy somehow turns it on Mary yeah. because she's like, well, oh, no. Ruthie turns it on Mary, yeah, actually. Yeah, Ruthie's like, you were a bad example because you set a bad example for Lucy, and then Lucy set a bad example for me. And Mary's like, well, how did I set a bad example? And Ruthie, as a child, equated what Lucy did to uh, Mary not playing hide-and-seek well enough, like I mentioned earlier. And Lucy, as a teenager, also equated... um, Right, not not the same thing. Not the same thing. Um, And you know what? That's really it for Lucy's storyline. Yeah, I guess. um, Well, her and Annie at the end are like, she's like, can we never get the trust back? And Annie's like... Yes, eventually, which which is, which, which is okay. Ruthie throughout keeps asking, "Oh yeah, how fast one hundred miles per hour is?" Um, it finally gets resolved when Annie says, "You could drive a hundred miles in about the time that it takes to watch a Xena episode." So here we go again, well, Xena coming mm-hmm. back up, and then Ruthie's like, "Well, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to miss Xena." Um, so then, but before, but in the earlier in the episode, she asks um, like every other Mary, character. and Mary says. 
Matt will explain it to you, or, like, I'll explain it to you, but she was like, eventually, and Ruthie's like, what does eventually mean? So she keeps using it um, throughout, the, throughout episode. the episode. So then, you know, when Lucy's like, oh, will the trust ever, will we ever get the trust back? Uh, Annie is like, eventually. Which <laughs> which is goes to the French uh, right, title exactly. of the episode, Sooner or Later. Especially because before we even saw what the French title was, I had said, oh, the title of this episode should have been eventually, since they keep on using it over and over again. But those, those, those smart French, they knew before I did. Um, so that brings us to, I guess, you know, the main event, uh, which was the storyline uh, with Stan and Simon. and Which begins right after the cold open, and we get the super awesome scene. So, um, I guess... <laughs> Stan and Simon are playing basketball. Slow motion basketball. And we just have the super heavy guitar music, hev- like heavy metal guitar, just like not even chords, just full-on smacking the guitar. Well, you mentioned the other thing, that they couldn't put the Spalding logo, like, right. so on you display. Right, so you finally see in broad daylight, because usually, I don't know, you don't see the hoop very clearly, but nobody at 7th Heaven felt like getting clearance to use the Spalding logo, so they just um, crossed out the S and the G, so it said the, the pa- Palden. Pa- Palden. Palden was who yeah. made their basketball hoop. And there's, like, at least a minute and a half of them playing slow-motion basketball. Yes, and the first thing I wrote during that sequence was, Stan is bad child name. Uh, (laughs) Um, Then, after they're done playing basketball... um, Stan's sister... Well, well, Simon's like, when's your sister picking you up? And Stan was like, 20 minutes ago. um, She's always late. Simon offers uh, Stan to come back and sleep over again that night. Um, Oh, yeah, and Stan's like, that would be great because things aren't great at my house. It's dangerous. uh, And just around this time, um, I think Matt is around also. Matt brings Karen to the backyard. Karen is Stan's older sister. Karen is played by uh, Shiri Appleby. Um, and I know her mostly from Roswell, and that's about it. Uh, yeah. So? But she's, uh, and she's wearing, she kind of dresses like Mary dresses, but for some reason it, like, means something different to everybody else. Well, she's also got this belt on that isn't serving the purpose of holding her pants up because it's very, very loose. Um, It's got this insignia on it, and Matt asks her about it, and she goes, Oh, it's for my ba- my nickname, which is Baby Doll. Because it's a B. The insignia is a B. Sorry, yeah. Um, so Matt is skeptical. You can see on his face. And then after, um, so then Simon says, like, oh, Stan can stay over tonight. And she's like, we have to ask my parents. It's fine with me. So she's like, Stan will call you later, whatever. We have a scene alone between Stan and his sister before they get into the car where Karen's like, your friend was giving me the side eye, like, did you say something? Stan's like, no, 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 I didn't say anything. He's like, okay, she's like, okay, good. You better, like, keep your mouth shut. Um, And this is when, this is when uh, we first hear the, I guess, the gang name. Uh, They are called Blackbird 16. But although the first time they say it, it sounded like they said Blackburn. Black yeah. Um, so it looks like Matt recognizes the B on uh, Baby Doll's belt um, as not being standing for Baby Doll, but standing for Blackburn's, Blackbird 16. And um, he confronts Simon about it. Yeah. He's like, oh, what's up with uh, 
Stan's sister, she seems like a freak. He didn't. I don't think he says that, but... Um, he notices how uncomfortable Stan is around his own sister. And, you know, like, and then taking all of the um, evidence from before with the nightmare and the fact that he, like, wants to sleep over again and that Simon's so quick to do things without asking oh, yeah, his yeah, parents yeah. permission. Simon, Simon hadn't asked the Rev and Annie if Stan could say, stay over again, yet he extended the offer. Uh, and this is something that hasn't gone unnoticed by the by the parents either. Rev and Annie, the Rev and Annie have also, like, had words about the way that uh, Stan's reacting to his sister and the nightmares. And they also comment on uh, the baby doll's most, appearance, yes. but she doesn't look like yes. she doesn't look like she's in a gang. Not to be like, oh, people who are in gangs have a look, but she looks perfectly normal to me. But even like in a star- like even in a show like Seventh Heaven in the nineties where they like she, yeah. aim towards stereotypes, there's nothing that makes her she look like she looks perfectly clean cut with the exception of the belt. Yes. Which is worn in a strange way. So um, Matt tells the Rev about that that he's familiar with the well before that happens we have a blowout between brother and brother where um, oh, yeah. where Simon realizes that Matt's manipulated him into like revealing because oh we forgot to mention this um Stan and Simon have like the most excellent promise between them <laughs> that Simon won't tell anybody anything that Stan has told him about. So he, Simon doesn't want to break his most excellent promise. And by telling Matt, he's broken it and he blames Matt and he goes, I wish you weren't my brother. And he kicks Matt out of his room. So Matt goes and tells the Rev and Annie. And the Rev is like, okay, I obviously need to get involved in this because no one has asked me to help them. But I have to because this is my calling in life. To get into everyone's business. Uh, so he talks to Simon. They have a very, very long conversation. Oh, God, yeah. And the only note I have on it is like, oh, Matt and his slick ways. Yes, like, that's he, what I wrote down too, Matt and his slick ways. And also the, it ends with like, because Simon is like freaked out. He's like, I made this promise to Stan. He's my friend. I don't want him to know I told anyone. And then uh, the Rev is like, well, when it comes to the important stuff, you can trust your big brother to do the right thing. And I think that this is the right thing for us to get involved, so... Well, you had a point about this conversation because um, you brought up the uh, the joint episode just a few episodes ago where... Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, si- there's no hard feelings between Simon and Matt at this point. He's just telling him, like, oh, yeah, Stan's... Uh, like, just, the, just kind of the, the respect that the Rev is giving Matt now... And it's just like two or three episodes after the joint episode when he's like, oh, you can trust him to do the right thing. And like, despite the fact that like, yes, that was like an overreaction in that episode, but the fact that Matt even took the joint from right. his kid, like you could say was or like, yeah, he should just not it the out. right thing. Right. So this is and also just the way that the Rev treats anything Matt does, even like in the second episode with Renee when he said, you can trust him to do the right thing. And it's like, really, Rev? Because you never really yeah. act like you trust him to do the right thing. We have another scene where I think Matt's trying to like apologize to Simon, but also let Simon understand that like there's a reason he did this. Simon has another like stinger and says, well, it's... Um, Bad luck to be your brother. Because Simon has opened an umbrella because he's looking for thermal... Waves. Yeah. I don't. I did not I, this understand was a, this. This was a weird subplot that they never developed. It was something with science going on and umbrellas. Um, but Simon is opening the umbrella, and Matt's like, "It's uh, bad luck to do that." And that's when Simon says, "No, it's bad luck to be your brother." Our next major moment in the storyline is um, the Rev at. 
Karen and Stan's household. Because of course he is. Um, so he's trying to tell the parents about what's going on. The parents are, you said there's like a, like a typical, like, Well, you were like, oh, progression. Could, you basically said that they could swap out any parents uh, on the, no, they could use the same parents for, like, the troubled youth every single episode, and you would never notice. And I said, well, yeah, because they just have to make the same reactions, which is at first total denial that their child is doing anything wrong. And secondly, it's like realize, like shock and, and kind of figuring out exactly what their child actually is up to and then accepting the Rebs' help and being thankful. So guess what kind of arc this family falls into? Um, the mother's... And also the thing that I've noticed a lot in where there's a troubled family with both parents is the mother always... Whispers? Well, that. But also that um, she always gives in and relents to the Rev before the father does. Oh, yeah. Well, women are weak. That's... Thanks, Brenda Hampton. Science. Um, So one of the reasons that the parents say, or the dad anyway, says that there's no way his daughter's involved in a gang... We thought someday we'd have to talk to Stan about gangs, but but not Karen. Which is completely sexist. And then the Rev says that gangs are equal opportunity organizations. Um, and the mother, like, has a moment of realization. She's like, you're right, I should have spent more time looking, looking at my kids, looking at what they're doing. Looking, looking at my kids' friends. She's like, maybe you shouldn't spend too much time looking at your kids' uh, friends. And then they say that, like, they haven't... They don't think that the kids have any gang paraphernalia in their room, and they don't want to search their rooms. And the Rev is like, Rev's- oh, we never know. You know, it's, you know, every day the trouble that our kids could get into becomes graver and graver, and you don't want to have to do it. So, so the they, parents- they search baby doll's room, and they don't find anything, and the Rev is like, well, I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm happy I was wrong. And they're like, we are happy you were wrong, too. Um... We have, um, then we have, I guess Stan comes, but oh, there's like, this is weird. Right, it's weird that Stan wasn't in the house at this point, because Stan gets dropped off at the Camden's house again later, and both the Rev and Matt are eavesdropping, and Simon and Stan don't know, and Simon, Stan says to Simon, well, first, Simon apologizes, he's like, oh, my brother found out, he told... And Stan's like, I know, like, your dad was at my house earlier. Um, and he says something to the effect of, like, they didn't, they don't know everything, though, or, like, they didn't find everything. Which, for some reason, is, like, the golden key for both Matt and the Rev to figure out where all of, like, Karen's stuff is. Because the Rev immediately goes to the door, and Matt meets him there, and he's like, I'll tell Mom where you're going. <laughs> yeah, and because the Rev's like, I have a hunch. Um, so the Rev leaves, and immediately after the Rev, leave, the Rev leaves, um, Karen shows up because Stan's forgotten his bag. And we have a very intense scene between um, Karen and Annie. Okay, yeah, I'm actually going to play a little audio clip here of... This is how Annie perceives what is going to happen to Karen if she continues on this path in this gang. Just just take a listen. Oh, really? Those same friends who will beat you and rape you so you can get into a group where you can mule drugs and do drive-bys and be available for sex on demand? You are so out there. My friends would never betray me. And I can handle whatever it is I have to handle. Well... It's good that you're that strong, because this is going to take all the strength that you have. 
So a little intense, and Annie makes a lot of jumps where she's like, "Your friends that want to use you to mule drugs and rape you and put like, you into sex, like into yeah, sex work." Yeah, she she jumped pretty far from like gangs beating people up to sex work. So calm down, Annie. So what? Uh, I forget what happens after that. Well, actually, before that, uh, before all of that intense stuff, we have some uh, like dialogue back and forth. Where Baby Doll says, my life is none of your business. Oh, I wrote that down, too, because yeah. I was so excited that finally... Somebody... This is, like, the second... Per- well, she's not the first person who's told the Rev and Annie, like, what? Get, like, get out of my life. Um, and she... I hope she's not the last. I don't think she is. We've got, like, you know, nine more seasons. Well, I think the pattern here is people that tell the Rev and or Annie to get out of their lives are usually people that are in the wrong in the first place. So Baby Doll is in the wrong for being a gang for being in a gang. And the other person I remember saying something like that to the Rev is the the murderer, Martin the murderer. Yeah. So like it's never somebody who actually is in the right for saying that. Do you get what I'm saying? I guess, yeah. Okay. Go <laughs> what was the dialogue? Um, you said you wrote it down. Oh, oh no, you just wrote down. No, all I had was that like I uh, like my life is none of your business. Yeah. Um and I didn't have the whole thing written down. Oh, and then what I really liked was she then Karen came back with look at your life. And yeah, I was like, yeah. yes, Annie, look at your own life. Um she walks away, uh Karen walks away from it. Storm actually storms out of the house. Um and then we have So we're back at her house where the Rev and her parents are searching Stan's room. What I want to what I want to know before all this is how the Rev came back into their house already having accused their daughter and like apologized for being wrong and being like actually it's in your son's room and right. gotten them to like get into the son's room. I don't know, maybe he I don't know. So anyway, they're all searching Stan's room and they lift up the mattress and underneath the mattress we see Knives and nunchucks and bags of weed and cocaine and different pills. Bags of like and envelopes full of money. Chains, envelopes of money, um, gang paraphernalia, as you may. And as soon as we see all of this, Karen, baby doll, and appears at the doorway. The first reaction of the parents is like, "We need to move now. We're going to send the kid off to their after the aunt." We're yeah, they're like, move "We have out. to protect Stan. He has knives under his bed. No wonder he can't sleep." <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Every time when she said that, I just thought of the princess and the pea, <laughs> which is not the equivalent here. No. but that's what I thought of. Um, Baby doll is insistent that she, she can, can just, fix this. But the Rev is also insistent that he knows more about gangs than she does. And I actually think he, in this case, he is a little bit more informed because she's like, these are my friends. I'm just going to get out of the gang. I'm just going to ask them to leave. And the Rev is like, no, you're going to have to pay a penance or like some sort of gang equivalent. They're well, going to beat you. If they, if they don't kill you, they'll beat you and they'll come for your family. And the Rev is like, I'm. Can, there's a place I can send you to in Colorado or San Francisco. But like, it might take a while. Like, gang maybe, rehab. Who knew? And she's like, No, I can fix this. We can stay here. Nobody needs to move. And there's this back and forth, but it seems like kind of the, like they're in limbo because no decision has been, has been made. The parents go, We'll figure this out. We'll try to like come to the right conclusion. So the Camden, Camden, so the, so the Reverend Camden just leaves. And the next thing we know, everybody's playing basketball outside. And we are reminded at a certain point in this episode that Mary is still on a bum knee, like you see her with a bandage on it. Um, but she's out there playing basketball. Well, everybody except for Annie, who's fixing up the sink. Yeah, handy Annie. Uh, so uh, 
then the phone rings, and Annie, the next thing we see is she's outside, and she's just looking at all of the basketball players. Which is the, everybody else in the family plus Stan. And Stan looks like, she just looks like, she's, you know, she's got bad news, and Stan looks at her, and then he's like, no, and then he runs to her, and they embrace. Which and, I thought was ridiculous. Like, there are, at least half the people in that basketball game have no idea what's going on. Oh, yeah, this definitely should have been news that was delivered more discreetly than it was. Yeah, like, everybody just stopped and was, like, given this news. And the next scene we have is um, Stan. And the Rev going to the emergency room. Where we see... Baby doll. Um... Aaron and I both agree that if they really wanted to give impact to this episode... She would have been killed. Yeah, but she was just very badly beaten um, in a very artistic form. <laughs> the be- makeup was so bad. Yeah, because... It the- looked like Lucy trying to look pretty. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it was. Um, there are cuts all over her faces and obvious bruising and stuff. Um, but apparently she got out and... And she asks the Rev. As she's like, our reviewer... She's like, I want to go to one of those those places that you talked about. And the Rev's like, I'll keep calling until I get you in. And then the Rev leaves the hospital room. And what does he do? He starts crying. Um, and then we have the last shot of, like, the episode is the news going, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? And, and the Rev is, like, looking at it like, oh. And then there's a fade to I? black. So I'm giving it a 4 out of 7. Really? I was actually going to give it as high as a 5.5. 5. Wow. I'm, I'm also just, there's just one more quote that I had written down here that we failed to mention, which was when Annie and Lucy were having the heart-to-heart about um, how the trust was broken and stuff. Um, Annie goes, you may all be weird, but you're all going to be my honest, honest little weirdos. Yep, uh-huh. I actually have that written down as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is, girls just want to have fun. And what we've learned is girls can't have fun. No. That's the moral of the story. They lose their mother's trust and then they get... Get beat up. Beat up. Um, the only girls that were allowed to have fun were, I guess, Mary and Ruthie. But I really don't think that Mary had any fun and I don't think, Ruthie definitely didn't have fun. Well, Ruthie fell asleep during her game of hide and seek. Yeah, well, it's fun. Um, but she was sad that Mary wasn't playing with her, so... All right. At least Annie got a chance to be handy. <laughs> giving it a four out of seven. I, and as I said, I'm giving it a 5.5. 5. I think this was definitely one of the better ridiculous episodes of... It was a good one. The yep. photo of the... This will definitely be on our social media. There's so many things for this episode. The, I that know. One. Honestly, I don't know how we're going to decide. We're going to have to make like 10 posts for this, so... Um, speaking of our social, social media, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, but most importantly, rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe. I'm Erin. And I'm Tanvi, and this was Camp and Cast. Back at me, seven